seated in the presence of the Lord. Our ushers are coming to wait upon us tonight for our evening worship and our giving. So you just bless the Lord in your giving uh, tonight as you have purposed and desired in your heart to do so. Amen. Father, accept our thanks tonight. From the fruit of our lips, we give you praise. But today we give God a tangible gift. We give that that we have uh, labored for. We lay ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. And this offering today, God, we've given our time and our talents to be able to in exchange for this. And so we give ourselves living to you today. We ask you that you just bless this offering for the advancement and the furthering of your kingdom in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give tonight. you glad you can say that tonight with a surety it is well with my soul praise God praise God I want to go to Exodus chapter 3 read the first seven verses there on tonight Exodus chapter 3 starting in verse number 1 Exodus chapter 3, verse number 1. Then Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the 
priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and became and came to Horeb and the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of the fire in the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that the, uh, he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place whereon you stand is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am the God of their father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are uh, in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about uh, Moses' first encounter, his first encounter. Spirit of God, we pray that you would just help us right here tonight. We know your word is anointed. We know that you have called us to preach, but we ask you for the unction of heaven that causes preaching to be effective tonight. Allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and let us leave here tonight knowing that we have got understanding from you, that you are ordering our steps every day. And we give you praise and thanks for this in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Praise God. We've been uh, talking about um, this thought, and it's just been in my spirit. And so I just want to stay in that vein on tonight. And then on Sunday, we're going to just uh, kind of finish up what we started on the last two Sunday mornings. But whenever it talks in reference to Moses, we know that uh, Moses was in a relationship with the Lord. He had learned principles about God. He had learned uh, things from other people, and he had heard uh, places where people had seen the glory of God, and then he learned from their experience. And Moses uh, never had that personal experience with God. He had never known God personally for himself, as it were, to see his glory. And so uh, we look in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34, and it said, Then a cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because of the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You see, I, I believe that there is a, 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 a time that you individually can see the glory of God and that is tremendous, that is wonderful. But there is a weightier glory when we experience it corporately. 
that when we bring together and we have a hunger that is pulling on the the presence of God, pulling the glory of God into a place. And we see here in Exodus 40 that the cloud covers the tabernacle. It covers the temple. Moses isn't having this experience alone, but everyone in the temple is experiencing the glory of the Lord. And so we see uh, that's what I desire. That's what I desire. I thank God for the times that I can experience God on my own, but I don't want to be so selfish that other people don't experience his glory. I I want there to be a glory in the house that will transform people's lives. Can you say amen? For real, for real, not just feeling better about their bad situation, but I'm talking about their lives have changed. The trajectory of their life has been shifted in the presence and the glory of God. And so Moses was pulling on God, and we see that the glory of the Lord filled the temple until he was not able to enter into the temple. The relationship that Israel, the Israelites had was to the place where they were no longer Uh, favored people. They had become tortured slaves and they had now been led into exile. They was in the midst of all of this trouble and difficulty. Whenever we see that Moses comes here in chapter three and he has his first personal encounter with God. He, he looks and the Bible says that he comes into a desert place. You see, a desert isn't always bad. Sometimes it's in the desert that you, you will meet with God. In the times of, uh, of a place where there is nothing else, we will turn our hearts toward God. And it is there that he will reveal himself, his goodness and his glory. And Moses was in a, such a place where that he, he was looking and he sees this bush that is burning, but it is not being consumed. And we see tonight that that's what we need to see. We need to see in the midst of drought, we need to see the manifest presence of God. He understood that this was not the operation of men. We have had enough manipulation of men. We have had uh, more than enough parades of flesh. What we need in this hour is to see the genuine glory of God. We need to see his power and his presence that will transform and change our lives for real. We need a burning bush experience, if you will, where that nobody can leave the place saying that that I did that or someone else did that, but it would point their finger only to God and say to God, be the glory for what he has done because this is not the manipulation of men this is not the working of the flesh but this is the spirit of the living God that has been among us this day that has transformed our lives forever amen praise God for 400 years Israelites were consistently uh, worsening in their circumstances and they had learned to adjust to a place where that they can live not having a manifestation of God's presence. And this is where I'm concerned that we are as a church again. Somehow everything seems to come around full circle, doesn't it? 
I mean, you know, you got those clothes in your closet and just hang on to them another 10 years. They'll come back in style. For real. Amen. It, 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 some, everything just comes full circle. And so we see that when you don't learn from your mistakes, right? You're going to do them again. And this is where we are. Here Israel was for 400 years going in this life and they learned how to adjust without experiencing the presence of God. We look and whenever you see that Moses here, when God speaks to Moses and he talks to him, there is an absence for many years that there is, there does, the scripture does not suggest to us that Moses ever heard God again. Amen. Now I know some people, you know, they, ha- they have coffee with God every morning. And, and God speaks to them every sometimes four or five times a day. And sometimes God changes his mind. I'm, I'm jesting. Amen. But some folk, they talk a whole lot about God speaking to me and telling me this. And then he changed. I believe God speaks. Come on. I believe God speaks to his people. But, but you see, I don't know. Moses, when God spoke to him, he told him, gave him directive. And then he never spoke to him again for many, many years. Why? Because God never changed his mind. He's told him, he said, this is what I want you to do. This is the plan that I want you to follow. And now I want you to go and I want you to do this. But unfortunately, the children of Israel, instead of seeking, instead of having a hunger, instead of having a passion for God's presence and his glory, they learned how to adapt to not having a manifest presence of God. And so we see that many times in our own lives, we have learned how to do that, haven't we? We've learned how to have church without having glory. We've learned how to go through the motions and even live our lives on a day-to-day basis and never have an encounter with God, never have an encounter with his presence all week long. And then we come through that dry season and come to church hoping that we get something out of worship, hoping we get something out of the word, right? Instead of us coming to the house of the Lord and having affirmation about what God spoke to us throughout the week, amen, that God would give us confirmation through the worship, give us confirmation through the word and say, this is what I'm speaking. Go for it, right? And so God is wanting us tonight to understand that he desires for us to have an encounter and experience with him on a regular basis. Amen. We ought to walk in his presence. And so, but we've got to seek him, right? We've got to seek him. Seek and you shall find. Right? And so if there is no seeking, there is no finding. And so we have to come to this place where there is a hunger inside of us that says, God, we're seeking after you. As David said, as the deer pants after the water's brook, I'm desperate for you, God. I'm desperate for your presence. Rather than to seek to meet those uh, around us, we need to seek to meet God. I want to say hello to you. I want to be your friend, huh? I want to have relationship with you. But at the end of the day, when I come to this house, uh, I come to seek him. I come for his presence. I come desiring for him. And so I'm looking for God. And, and we talked about this in our life group the other night. And, and by the way, we have the best life group. 
It's just the best. I'm just telling you, others are good, but we've got the best. And and we talked <laughs> and we talked about this that you know we say God is sovereign, and and I don't want to mess anybody up, you know, and and all of that. But but the Bible does not say that He's sovereign. We know He's sovereign, right? But most of the time, people come up with this phrase that he's a sovereign God whenever we've got a mess on our hands and we, we want to put the blame on him. And we want to say, you know, well, I, you know, it's God's sovereign and, and it, it, if, if he didn't want it, it wouldn't have happened. But that isn't true. God has given us. Amen. Dominion and authority here in the earth. He's given us delegated authority. And so what we have to understand is, as he has given us that authority and it's our responsibility to establish the kingdom of God within us. Amen. And then it be released into the earth, released into the atmosphere, released into our region. Amen. And begin to create an atmosphere that is conducive for the power and the presence of God to be revealed in our lives. And so it must break the heart of God whenever daddy God, whenever father God, if we could get a, think of it on an intimate relationship, it must break the father's heart for his children not to want to have relationship with him. It must break the father's heart. You know, if you have children, what, how you would feel if your son, your daughter uh, didn't want anything to do with you or, or just come to you whenever they needed something, right? But, but how is it that, that we will, or think it's okay for us to treat daddy God that way? Amen. That we don't have relationship with him. We don't have communion with him. Everybody knows that whenever you have children and, and they, they uh, are there and they just come in, the, the most precious time is whenever they come in and love on you and really ain't wanting nothing. Right? And, and, and there's something that will stick with you. It'll remember that, that when they do want something. Huh? When they do want something, you, you're more than willing. You might even encourage it. Why? Because you have relationship, right? And Father God, I believe that it is his good pleasure to give gifts to his children. But we've got to come with a heart that says, God, I'm not after anything. I'm not after healing. I, I want your healing, but that's not what I'm after. I, I want, want your blessing, but I'm not after the blessing. What I want is your presence in my life. I want you. I want a relationship with you. And, and whenever we get him and we have that relationship with him, then everything goes with him, right? Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house and comes to a place where he is grown. Seen beyond himself, he recognizes a need in his own life that he needs to, something needs to change. You remember, he begins to fight and kills this, this man and he flees to, uh, to Midian. And the Bible uh, talks there about the, the hand of the Lord and how that it would lead him and it led him to this woman. He, he is drawn to her. He, he goes and a lot of stuff goes on. He draws water. There's a fight goes on. He is invited to the house and, and it's there that he finds his wife, right? And, and now he's living with, with his, his father-in-law, Jethro, who is the uh, priest. 
And so Moses is 40 years old and he is um, living with his father-in-law. Hallelujah. Amen. And now he comes to this place where that he begins to get beyond this thing of just being satisfied with hearing about what God has done and begins to have a desire on the inside of his life. Now, you know, and I ain't being disrespectful. I know in this age of downturn and everything, there's people got multiple families living together and things, and you just sometimes got to do whatever you got to do to get by for a time. But but you know something ain't quite right. Things ain't been going too well for Moses whenever he's 40 years old and he's still living with his father-in-law, right? And, and he's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, Right? Uh, but, but, and, and, and he, he, I don't know, I, I don't want to get into all that because I ain't got time tonight. But, but what I do know is this, is he came to a place after those 40 years that he said, I want my own experience. I want to know God personally. I want to have a personal encounter with God. I'm thankful that my father-in-law tells me. I'm thankful for what I've heard in days past. I'm thankful for what people have told me that God has done. But I want to experience God. I, I, I like that today. I, want, I, I would desire that people would want a personal experience with God that they would have a personal encounter with him that would change their lives forever. You see, because many people today never really had a real experience with God. We have an individual in this church and they told me just a month or two ago, said, pastor said, I was raised up in the church all of my life said, I knew the Bible. I know the Bible, but said, I know in the Bible and applying the Bible to your life is two different things. And he, and they told me, they said, I, I never accepted the Lord. And so just a few short months ago, they, they gave their heart, they surrendered their heart to the Lord and they had a genuine experience with God that changed their lives. Amen. Praise God. And so what I'm saying today is we need to have an encounter with a living God. We, we can't have a secondhand experience is good to bring you to a place to have an encounter, but you've got to have an encounter for yourself because you see, if you don't have an encounter for yourself, then somebody sure enough talk you out of saying there isn't a God or he's multiple gods or all, but whenever you have experienced the glory of God in your life. Nobody can talk you out of it. Glory to God. Amen. They may tell you all of these things and, 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 and tell you and, and all of this understanding and knowledge of books and all of that and tell you that, you know, it was a bang theory or tell you that, you know, that they came from monkeys and amen. You know, I don't know who was, was sent me a joke. It may have been Char, but somebody sent me a joke and said that, that uh, uh, the little boy said, you know, his, his mama told him about church and took him to church. And they, the church, they told him that God created man and, and his daddy didn't go to church. And his daddy told him that uh, he, he, he came from a monkey. 
And so the little boy come and asked his mama, said, how is it that, that you tell me that we came from God and, and daddy tells me we came from a monkey? She said, well, I'm just telling you where my family came from and he's telling you where his came from. Amen. But I, I, I believe the Lord has created us. Amen. Nobody, nobody can come up out of a monkey and, and do what God has done in us. I'm thankful tonight, and I want to see his presence in my life. It was because of this that Gideon cried out, and, and because they had went through this season of no miracles, uh, Joshua, they had never seen the hand of God. And when Gideon comes up, if you remember, he said, where are the God, the God of our fathers? Where are the miracles and the signs and wonders that they, they've told us about? He was not being disrespectful. He had just come to age and he had never seen what others had told him about. And, and, and I'm, I'm sure today that if we were to, you know, tonight we're a little older in generation for the most part, but I'm certain even on a Sunday morning that if the people that gather here, if we were to take a poll, that there is um, many people that have never seen a miracle. Never seen blind eyes open, never seen the deaf hear, never seen the lame leap for joy, huh? Never seen any of that. And, and, and so we're raising up a generation telling them about the goodness of God, but have never experienced it. But what would that do for our children? What would that do? It would seal the deal in their life. Amen. I, you know, my generation is missing in the church as a whole. I'm blessed to be able to preach around this country and, and thank God for that. But I, in many churches that I go to, my generation is missing. They're gone. They're not there. And, it, and it's not that they're bad people. They've just been taught about God, but they've never seen God. But what would it do to my generation and down? If they was to see the blind eyes open and see deaf ears unstopped and, and see the miraculous power of God move in on a person or an individual's life and see them radically changed. I tell you, that is where it's at. We've got to have that. I said, we've got to have that. We cannot continue to preach a God that we cannot manifest, but we've got to see the glory of the power and the presence of God that we preach that he will come and deliver a person from their diction. He will set the captive free. He will open blind eyes. He will deliver the oppressed and he will save the sinner and cause them to be righteous, right? So we, we, we're raising up a generation that does not know about miracles. They're getting it second, third, or fourth handed. But we've got to, we've got to, uh, to see his glory again. The reason why that I'm in the church today is not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm a preacher, but because whenever I was growing up, I would sit there on the right-hand side of the church. Mom and dad's moved to this end. They used to be over there when I was growing up, and I'd sit in front of them, and I loved, uh, you know, Sunday mornings was all right, but I loved Sunday night because anything could happen up in there on Sunday night. Amen. Uh, you know, we, they, 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 people would get saved and, you know, some things would happen on Sunday morning, but anything liable to happen on Sunday night. And I, I wanted to see it for myself. 
And so I, I sat there and I watched them as they would pray for crippled people and God would touch them. I've seen him op- open up deaf ears. I've seen people that was wicked and vile and, and full of demonic spirits and God would set them free by the power of a living Christ. Amen. And so I knew that. And so whenever they, they would come to my generation and tell us we need to settle down and people would tell me that someday you'll, you'll mellow out, you'll get older and you'll mellow out but the problem is it's working backwards on me because I wasn't born in the smoke I was born in the fire and whenever you've been born in the fire you can't live in the smoke you've got to have his glory once you've tasted of the goodness of God once you've tasted of his power once you have tasted of his presence you cannot go back to mediocrity and be satisfied or comfortable amen and so uh, we see that although most Moses had never encountered God. He was being guided by God to bring him to this place of meeting. You see that? He he never encountered him, but God was guiding him. Uh, Sister Ava talked about Pagah. I know that's not um, how you say it in uh, Greek, but I'm not Greek. But Pagah, it, it means to meet on purpose or to set up an appointment on purpose. It's talking about prayer. It's talking about a purposeful, uh, you encounter him, you experience him on purpose, not on accident, right? But you set up that meeting place and, and God is setting Moses up to meet him. And sometimes isn't it true that God has to take us to the backside of the desert so that he can get our attention? with all of the stuff that's going on in our life and all of the the, uh, the mess and all of the chaos that's going on and all the hustle and the bustle of life. Uh, you know, we, we, we were pulled so many different directions and like Moses, God would take him to the backside of the desert. He was setting him up so that he could see his glory and his presence. And the Bible said that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and they led the flock to the backside of the desert and it came to Horb and Mount of God. And it was at the backside of the desert in this barren, isolated uh, piece of real estate where that he comes and he encounters God for himself. He was there and the stirring of the spirit would come into his own life to where that he could see the glory of God, where there was a tangible experience with the glory of God. In Exodus 2 and verse 22, it said, had a son, a son by the name of Jorsum, uh, which is a stranger in a foreign land. With this emptiness in his spirit, he find, he has this son and he says, there, I'm empty and I'm in a strange land, right? Have you ever felt like that? Felt like that you're going through this land, but you're empty. You're going through this place, but but it's barren and it's empty and it's dry. And 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 Moses names his son this to represent what he is feeling in his own life. Amen. But I tell you that God leads him beside a green, or leads him into green pastures and leads him beside still waters. He he takes him from an empty place and brings him into green pastures. 
He brings him into a place not only physically to feed sheep, but spiritually to feed the inner man. Where that when he walks out of here, he is bringing him into a place of sanctification. He is bringing him into a place where that he empties himself and he walks out full of God, full of his presence and full of his glory. David said, as I quoted earlier, as a deer pants after the water's brook, my soul longs for you, the living God. Amen. We've got to have a longing. There's got to be a hunger in our spirit. There's got to be something that drives us. The Bible says it like this. The deep calls unto the deep. The deep that is in God calls to the deep that is inside of us. And there is a divine connection that draws us heavenly, right? Because every time that man had an encounter with God, he always takes us up. You never read in the scriptures where that he takes us down, but he takes us up. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And what happened? I was caught up, right? And and so there is a catching up in our spirit that even we may be in a dry, barren place, but when we have a revelation of who God is in our lives and we experience his glory, even in that place, he is able to cause that desert place to turn into a green pasture where that we can experience God for ourselves. Man. But we've got to we've got to be desperate for God. He said, call unto me and I will answer you. Show you great and mighty things that you know not of. We've got to have a heart that is borderline desperation. Amen. That's the reason why that folks that really have a, a, an experience with God sometimes, I, I'm not talking about emotional, I'm, I'm talking about they're desperate like David is describing here. They're, they're desperate like Jeremiah talked about and said, I'm searching for you. I'm looking for you with my whole heart, Jeremiah said. He said, I, I'm in this earnest place of desperation. I'm border. I've got to have you. Amen. And and we've got to come to that place where that we say that yes, thank God for the job. Thank God for 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 finances. Thank God for health. But what I really need is I need your presence. I need you to be in my life and show up in my life and just wreck with reckless abandonment. Go after God and say whatever it takes to experience your presence. Whatever it takes to shift my life and transform and change me from this desert place that I'm in to the green pastures which you have promised me. God, I'm willing to do it. Here I am. I empty myself. I give myself all to you so that you can fill me because the reality is God cannot fill us until we are first empty. And he won't empty us. We've got to do that ourselves. Amen. And so if we'll empty ourselves of ourselves, he will fill us because every time God finds something empty, he's always feeling it. Just do a study on it. That'll be good for you tonight, right? 
before you lay yourself down to sleep. Every time, if it's a vessel, whatever it is, if it's a person, every time he finds something that's empty, he fills that thing. And so God is wanting us to understand tonight that we may be in a dry place, we may be in a desert, but it is not to kill us. It's to bring us to a place of desperation. It's to bring us to a place of earnest seeking after God to say, God, I can't do this without you. I can't be a good mother without you. I can't be a good father without you. I'm not able to to advance the kingdom. I can't worship. I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't do nothing. I've got to have your presence in my life. And only your presence can take me to where I need to go. Amen. Moses was at Mount Horeb and the mountain of God. And Mountain Horeb uh, was the same as Sinai. In Exodus 17 and verse 6, he stands before you and there on the rock, he strikes the rock and water comes out, right? Verse 19 through 20, God descends in fire. In verse 34, Moses spends 40 days uh, up with God. And the Bible said, and I preached on this a while back, but his face would shine as he was in a radiant glory of God. But as he left the presence of God, the the shine the on his face would fade, amen, and symbolizing that we've got to have encounters with God on a regular basis. We can't just go... Go in one day and get glory only to for it to last for 40 days or for a year. But we've got to encounter him on a regular basis. Amen. So we've got to experience him for ourselves, but on a regular basis. It was called the mountain of God, the place it seemed where people of that day knew they could find God. I know God is everywhere, but how many know there's some places it's easier to find him than others? It's easier to find God uh, in the church than it is in a crack house. It's easier to find God uh, in his word. You know, it's it's easier to to get saved at, at church than it is in a bar. Amen. We know God's omnipresent. Are you walking with me? But some places it's easier to find him than it is others. And so, so they, they went, would go to this mountain and, it, and, it, and they felt like that if they'd go to this mountain, they could experience, they could find God there. And I I want God to be bigger than this building, but I sure enough want people to be able to say, you can go to the tabernacle and your life can change. That you can go to that place and and, and they will surround you and begin to believe God and they'll break that bondage up off of your life. Amen. That you can go there and you can encounter his presence and his goodness in your life. Why? Because we make this a place where that we say you can come with your need, but you're going to leave with a miracle. Why? Because we believe that every time we come here, the presence of God is here and it's here to change lives for real. Amen. Praise God. So what does that mean to us today? Matthew chapter six and verse five. It said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets 
and that they may be seen by men. Surely I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into the room, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father who is in secret place, and the Father who is uh, sees in secret rewards you openly. The place where we know we can find him in prayer, it goes back to that pagah, that place, that, that place that we said, this is my place. Yes, I can, I can talk to God going down the road. Yes, his presence is with me at work. He, he, he's everywhere. But this is my place that I say, this is my meeting place. This is my appointment. This is my date with God. This is where I go and I experience his presence. And the Bible says that we take that place, Right? And we, we do it in secret and God turns it around and rewards us openly. So nobody may know that I'm praying through the week. But when we come together corporately, people know that we have an experience with God because of the manifest presence of God. Amen. And, and you can tell whenever you go into churches. You can tell if there's any praying people up in there. You can tell. Uh, you know, there's some folks, some places you go and they're packed out. But there isn't no, no hunger. There is no passion. There is no zeal. You, you can, it's just, you know, you, you smell embalming fluid. There ain't no life up in there, huh? Amen. But you can go into other places and you can feel there's a demand upon the anointing. Somebody's been praying. Somebody's been calling on God. They haven't done it out in public, but they're in those secret places. They're in those meeting places. They're in those private places calling on God. And because somebody was faithful to do it when nobody was looking, God said, I'll just show myself openly to you and reveal my glory in your life. Amen. And so I'm thankful tonight that, that we have some praying folk here. Amen. I really am. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. And so he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It was more than an angel in that bush. <laughs> because the Bible said that he, being God, identified himself. In a verse 6, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, right? He said that I'm the God I am that I am, he tells him later, right? And so he, he is identifying himself. He's, he's saying it's more than just an angel. And, and we could talk about this bush not being burnt, but not being consumed. But, but what I want us to gather in on tonight is this, that thank God for the angelic host. Thank God that they come to minister to the heirs of salvation. But we aren't here to worship angels. We're here to worship God. Amen. And he reveals himself and he manifests himself. He, he wants us to know him and, and know him. He says, I want you to understand the lineage. I didn't just show up yesterday. 
I'm not just a a, a pass me by God, but I I was here for Abraham. I was here for Isaac. I was here for Jacob and I'm here for you, Moses. Amen. I know it's been a drought. I know it's been some many years and you have never encountered me, but today, son, I've set you up so that you can not just hear about my glory, but that you could see my glory. I wanted you to understand that I can cause you because you know a bush in that day in the wilderness wasn't uh, uh, unusual for it to burn and be consumed but what he was standing at all was as this fire was coming from this bush and yet the bush was not being consumed it was the glory of God that was being revealed to him to say hey I can do something that is supernatural I don't want to serve a God that can't do something you know people say they get spooked out they get weird out they you know they say, well, we don't want anything you can't explain. Well, I don't want to serve a God that you can explain. Amen. If I can explain God to you, my God is as dumb as I am. Come on. Amen. But because of the fact that he is above my thoughts, above my ways, his ways are much higher than my ways. His thoughts above my thoughts, even as the heavens are above the earth, yet is his ways much greater than my ways. I can't explain God to you because he's God all by himself. Amen. You can't explain one scripture, let alone the God that we serve. Because you see, he, he is multifaceted and you think you come to the end of a scripture and the next time you're in need, he can show you him, himself in that same scripture in a totally different way because it is the exhaust, inexhaustible word of God. Amen. And so that's the reason why we should never quit preaching it. That's the reason why we should never quit reading it. That's the reason why we need to digest it over and over and over again. Because it is life, it is spirit, it is life, it is real. It isn't something they read about of historian book, but the word of God is a living word. And whenever we will take that word and apply it to our life, glory will come. The bush will be conspire, will come. His power will come in our lives. And we won't have to go saying, well, let me tell you what God did for granddaddy or daddy, but I can and say I was on the backside of the desert with nobody else around and the glory of God consumed me in that place this is what God is wanting to do he's wanting to show us his glory the first encounter that Moses had Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look on God Verse 6, his first encounter caused him to fear. Never experienced anything like this before. I can understand how people could get a little concerned if you ain't never seen the power of God. Can you? I mean, because after all, we're talking about God and whenever God comes upon flesh. Flesh cannot handle God. And so there's going to be some type of manifestation. Right? Of God. And so I can understand whenever 
people do that. But but what you've got to understand is this, and, and I know I'm teaching to some folk that have been in church for a while, but but I, you know, whenever I was raised up and mom and dad didn't teach me this and the pastor we was under didn't teach me, but I just, the way it was preached, it sounded like to me, you just didn't have no choice in the matter. God just got a hold of you and jerked you around and threw you down there on the floor and stuck you on a wall or whatever. But I was reading in the Bible, Jamie, and the Bible said the spirit of a prophet subject to a prophet. And so that means that, that, that I have something to say about this. But when I yield, when I say this ain't about me, I want you, right? And I yield myself to him and his glory comes into my life. Then there's going to be something that shifts and changes in me. Amen. And so Moses encounters God. He, he, he is fearful. He's never experienced anything like this, but now not, uh, you know, nothing he has ever did. But then in Exodus chapter 33, he, he says, show me your glory. God knew what he meant. He wanted to see his face, right? But he said, you can see my, you can, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Right? But how many know he isn't talking there just as he talked to Adam and he told Adam that if you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. He's not talking about physically, but he's talking about spiritually. And he is saying that if you want to see me, Moses, you've got to die. Moses has to die. And if you want to see the fullness, if you want to see my face, then you've got to die. You've got to crucify yourself and you've, then you can look upon my face. Then you can see my glory. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've already come to the place where I'm willing to crucify myself so that I can see his glory. I want, I want this flesh to die. I want my will, my wants and my desires, amen, to die so that I can see his glory, his power and his presence within my life. I want to see him. I want to see him. So how do you get to this place of being fearful in place and then asking God to see his face? How is it that you can be afraid and then be a friend? It's because Moses established a relationship with God. When you know somebody and you establish a relationship with them, you're not afraid of them, right? Because you, you know them, they're your friend. We're in relationship. And so Moses, even though he understood the awesomeness of God, he, he didn't do away with the awe of God. He stood in all of him, but he became a friend of God. So that now he was not afraid of the manifest presence of God. He desired it. <laughs> and isn't it true that whenever you have experienced his presence, you desire his presence. Amen. It, 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 and whenever God uses you, it does not cause you to get boastful, but it really does humble you. When God really uses you, it, it, you, you don't stand up proud. You, it humbles you to know that the God of the universe was willing to use little old you so his glory could be released into the earth. Amen. 
And so I'm thankful tonight that we don't have to go around being fearful, but we can have a relationship with him. And the Bible says that when he went to talk with God, that God talked with him as a friend. How did he become that friend? Because he spent time with God. A lot of people want the blessings of God, but don't want to have friendship with God. Don't want to have a relationship with God. But we've got to be willing to spend time with him. I know we're busy, but, but I, you know, I, I, I just know that the busier you think you are, the more we've got to spend time with him. Amen. Because the reality of it is, is nothing is so important as being in his presence because in his presence gives us direction in his presence. We get the way more clearly. We've got to have his glory and his presence in our life and the way that we get comfortable with him, the way that we desire him, the way that we want to be with him is to be intimate with him. John 15 and 13, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You no longer do I call you a servant, for a servant doesn't know what his his master is, is doing. But you, I have called friend. For all things that I uh, heard from my father, I have made known to you. Glory to God. So he wants us to know. He wants us to know Father's heart. He wants, but we've got to spend time with him. Amen. There's some things that, that, that you know, some people, you, and I know I'm just pastoring a little bit tonight. and My time's probably gone. Oh, yeah, it's gone. But, but some people don't have no filters on their life. And they just tell everything To everybody. Huh? And I'm going to tell you right now, that'll come back and bite you in the hiney. And it'll hurt. Everybody don't have access into your life. Amen? I'm trying to help you tonight. If you, you don't know it, I hope you already know this, but if you don't, you don't give access to everything in your life to everybody because they haven't proven their self. These crazy people get on the internet and talk to everybody. Oh, shut up. Amen. I had a, a woman, founder, a man, and, and, and whenever I was in another church and she wanted me to marry him, I said, uh-uh. I don't know that joker. He may be an axe murderer, and I ain't going to be guilty of that mess, you know. Um, but you can't just be putting it all out there, Right? You've got to have some filters. People need to, to, to prove their self to you. I'm trying to go somewhere. They need to prove their self to you. Be loyal to you. Be friend to you. To, to, to tr- trust them with a the thing. And know that you can trust them with that thing before you ever give them anything of importance or value. Amen. And I'm telling you, God is very much that way. 
He's not going to give his, his, the, the, uh, these treasures. He's not going to give these blessings. He's not going to give to us the gifts of the spirit and the power of God into hands of people that he cannot trust with it. But if we will be his friend, if we will be trustworthy, if we will be there and say, God, I, I, you can trust me. I, I have relationship. He knows you. He knows your heart, but you know his heart. And he begins to begins to minister in your life and release things into your life of value and are treasurable. And you say, yes, God, I'm, I'm here and I want your presence. I want your power, but not for myself, but so your glory can cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Second Corinthians four and six for God is the, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It was Paul on his way to Damascus. Huh? That saw the glory of God. And it changed his life. He goes in one day from being a Christian killer to a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. It was John on the Isle of Patmos. Amen. Who was in the spirit and heard a voice speaking and said, turn and see. And he saw his hair. He saw his face, right? It was white. His eyes were as fire. He saw the glory of God. He saw something that changed his life. We have come to a time where God has to be that whole passion inside of us. That, and the whole desire that we have is to see his glory, to see his power, and to have a relationship with him. That we're not just here and for you to be a sugar daddy to us. But we're here to have a relationship with you. That you are our God and we are your people. That we can be known as... As your friend, praise God. And and I can tell you that, and and I don't have time to preach it tonight, but there's another step because not only can you go from servant to friend, but you can have sonship. Amen. You can have sonship and I don't have time to preach that tonight, but yeah, I will another time. Amen. But this, we, we, we have to walk this thing out. We have to walk it out. And the Bible said that we shall become the sons of God. It's like one man ever went into a place. He was a historian and he always wanted to find out who, who was, you know, famous and might have been born there. And, and uh, he asked the man sitting on the park bench, he said, has any famous people ever been born here? And, and he replied, he said, nope, just babies. We mature into sons and daughters of God. As we, our spirit is saved, our, our soul is being saved. As we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our suke, right? And then our flesh, it, it is something that, that we... Uh, you know, what you can't control or conquer, you got to learn how to control. 
Amen. And we're walking this thing out and we need his glory in our life. We need him so desperately. And if there's ever a time that the body of Christ and the church in America needs to see the glory of God. And how's it going to happen if the church isn't hungry? How's it going to happen if he doesn't have a friend, a son, a daughter in the earth that's pulling on and saying, God, I've got to have your glory. I've got to have your presence. It's happening everywhere else. It's happening everywhere else. If you're not careful, you'll make him an American God and you say, God ain't doing anything. But can I... Can I tell you tonight, and it's not just some statistics I'm making up, but they say that statistically that if people continue to come to Christ at the rate that they are now coming to Christ at the next 10 years, that China will be the most Christianized nation in the world. My good friend, Jonathan Morgan, he's in, uh, he's in um, where is he? He's in the Philippines right now. And, and he sent me a text just the other day. He said, numerous people's uh, eyes, blind eyes were open. Deaf ears are unstopped. People are getting miracles. People are being saved by the hundreds. Why? Because there's somebody that's praying in secret. Somebody's saying, God, we can't do this on our own. We need your glory. We need your presence. And his glory is answering them. Amen. Praise God. And then, and, and I, I'm going to tell you this and then we're going to, I'm going to close tonight. But the Bible says, take off your sandals. Amen. Why? Because he said, you're on holy ground. There was a change of ownership. Because in that day, the proof of purchase was you took off your shoe. And you gave it to the individual. It wasn't a signed document. It was that you had the shoe of the previous owner. (laughs) Amen. And now he tells Moses, he says, I want you to take off your shoes because I'm going to give you authority here in this place. You've got authority over this wilderness. You've got authority over this barren place. Begin to speak life to this barren place. Begin to speak life where death has been. Begin to declare and decree the word of the Lord because now this land belongs to you. Glory to God. Amen. And so I just want to say tonight in this place that God has given us the authority, the dominion in the earth. He's given us his shoe, if you will. And it's time for us now to take possess the gates of our enemy and declare in the wilderness of our life that we will not live another day without his glory. We will not live another moment, another season, another generation will not go by in the church raised up under dead preachers and uh, seminaries that they go in believing and come out doubting no those days are over we're going to raise up an army that has seen the glory of God hungry for his presence hungry for his power and say I believe that all things are possible to them that believe amen come on and give him praise right here tonight hallelujah hallelujah so father we love you tonight And we desire your presence. We desire to have intimacy with you. Father, I pray no matter what level we may be on tonight in seeking and pursuing you, I pray that you would take us a little higher. 
cause us to be a little more hungry, cause there to be a desperation in our hearts like David and like Moses, that we would seek for you, that we would grope for you, that we would be hungry for you, God. And Lord, we know that if we seek, that we will find. And so tonight, Father, I pray that you would just place this passion and this burden within our hearts to go after you in a greater level than ever before so that we can speak into our season of drought, speak into our place of wilderness and declare water to flow, declare life to come, declare resurrection power in every situation of our lives. God, we give you praise and thanks for this. In the name of Jesus.